0: Welcome to part two of Remember When 2018 with No Challenges Remaining. Ben Rothenberg, Courtney Nguyen here. We finished everything through Madrid on our first half show, and now we're going to pick up in rome which was the first tournament i guess we did together in europe this year what i like about rome is that it's something that, it almost feels like you have to have your adrenaline up like you're walking in a dark alley the entire time <laughs> you know because like there's just sort of just like the tournament could punch you in the face at any moment you Need to be ready sure and for some reason that brings out like good things for me so rome what do you remember I, okay first thing i remember at rome is carolina pliskova <laughs> demolishing <laughs> her racket on the umpire's chair which people acted like it was a huge physical assault, speaking of getting punched in the face, and it just—I don't know—I think the reaction to it was a bit much, and her reaction to it was so blasé. It was so blisko. It, it was—it was, it was so awesome. I was—I was obviously she deserved a fine, but like, yeah. Yeah, it got overblown. I it think.
1: was very, it, I think, was it you that. People that, didn't see it coming from her, too. Yeah, so for people who don't remember, and actually there's some kind of like follow up on it as well that I've come to learn in the, the last like few months and stuff. But um, for those people who don't remember, it was Carolina Pliskova playing Maria Sakkari in Rome, and it was a tight point. It may have been a deuce or a break point or something. And Pliskova hit an overhead at the net that she believes landed in, and it was called out. And Mm -hmm. there was confusion about the the which mark or
0: something like that. Anyway, the umpire the umpire could not find an out mark. Yeah, yeah,
1: something like that. So and um and so obviously Pliskova lost the point, and then four or five or six points later, she lost the match. Uh, She proceeded to walk off the court and bash her racket into the umpire's stand, left a big gaping hole on the side of it. uh, Was subsequently fined um, a four figure sum, which she then. Uh, obviously paid, but then also matched it and donated the matching to charity. <laughs> oh,
0: okay. Yeah. Did you tell anybody that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, is, that you, is that what you heard recently? Or no, no, that, no. What, I knew that.
1: Yeah, I knew that. Okay. Yeah. So, and she was, and to this day, she never really says sorry for it. She's like, yep, that had to be done because she's like, no, I'm sorry. But like, I was totally hosed in that moment. Anyways, in my conversations with players over the last like few months, like players will reference it. And they're like, oh my gosh! Like one player was telling me, like, yeah, it happened, and we a bunch of us were standing in the locker room and we were watching it on the TV, and everybody was on Pliskova's side, mm. and they were like, no, 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 that was that was, she got hosed like completely, and there were some players who were like, there's no way Sakari doesn't know that that ball was in, like Sakari was saying mm-hmm. that she didn't see it, but, you know, but there's no way. You, your eyes follow the ball. Like she saw it, like, you know? So that was like, it was, it was, it was kind of one of those moments that clearly like the locker room was paying attention, but everybody was on Plisko's side that I've talked to. They're like, oh yeah, no, she was wrong. So, or she was, she was wronged, I should say. Yeah. But yeah, so anyways, so that's, that's Carolina Pliskova. It was the best, I mean, ladies racket smash of the season.
0: Oh, totally, totally. But
1: it it goes back to your, going back to your discussion, though, or your point that you made before about, like, how it was, like, completely blown out of proportion, or not blown out of proportion, but the reaction was, like, I don't know how you would phrase it, like, I guess the reaction was out of proportion, maybe.
0: It just, it just sort of, like, it just became, like, this, like, I don't want to say, like, pearl-clutching moment, but it's sort of, like, people were, like, I feel, like, performatively shocked in this way that it's found really stupid. You know, like, it's a player smashing a racket. Like, we've seen this before. And I think, I guess, because Pliskova has this perception of being a robot out there. Maybe, but people s- saw this robot short-circuiting, and that's why they went cr- nuts. But um Which, again, like, if you know Carolina,
1: or if you, like, watch her enough, she's really not. <laughs> like, no. there's a lot of feelings going on there. <laughs> um yeah. Hence these outbursts. But, yeah, no, I mean, I was just going to say, like, I don't... I remember at the time... Being very, not appalled, but like just being like, oh my God, like you cannot do that. Like, if there's an umpire, like, what if the umpire was still in the chair? Like, you know, like, what if that umpire was if, still in the chair? Yeah, yeah, the umpire was. And like, what if that um, that stanchion, I mean, it's, it's Italy, like, what if it's like not made no, all that true. great? Like, you know what I mean? Like, the, the, there is an actual genuine, genuine to me, potential that something could go horribly wrong there. In even... an
0: bandying kind of sense. Yeah, yeah. You know what
1: I mean? So I, that was what made me nervous. But then like once it was all done and like nobody got hurt, then I just thought it was funny. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's fair. You know that's what
1: I mean? Fair. Like that was kind of my take. But and also just kind of cutting Carolina some slack because that's just the way that people were talking about her. I was like, no, that's not Carolina Pliskova. Like,
0: no, you know, like
1: all. she's some, I don't know.
0: And talk about being a first time offender. Like she had right. never done anything remotely like that before. And clearly it was triggered by this incident. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, so that that was that was that we talked about on the previous part. We talked about Penko and, and Pova,
1: but also remember when Roberta Vinci.
0: Oh, she retired at the tournament. Right. She did. Oh, she was lovely, and
1: it was actually really, really sweet. It was kind of like a really sweet retirement. Oh, uh, just like that, she announced that that was going to be her last tournament. She played Alexandra Krunich in the first ra- in the first round. Uh, had I think she needed a wild card to get in, yeah. Um And they played in Petrangeli so, which was also very cool, uh, which she requested. And it was it was pretty packed out there. And uh, and then afterwards, Kunich won. And she hugged and she just was like saying sorry to the crowd. You know, like, I'm sorry. And then they played this like really emotion, like really cool mon- montage up on the screen. It was all very emotional. And she was like, she's... Oh, I miss her. I miss Roberta Vinci. She's just like such like a lovely presence on tour.
0: Question for you. Yeah. How much... Do you think, or do you think, that Serena wanted a rematch? Oh, I don't
1: think that Serena lost any sleep over that rematch.
0: I don't think that she would have liked to have beaten Roberta Vinci? Nah. I don't know. I don't... I see Serena... When Serena plays somebody after she lost them the last time, and I put Venus at the U.S. Open in this category, like, she just comes out to just, like, it absolutely switching from stun to kill in terms. terms. Well, it didn't work that time, obviously, but she tried. (laughs) She was trying. She was much better in New York than she was in Miami back the Yeah, least, I guess so. And Osaka was just that good, I think. But think about you know think about Maria Sharapova's life. I mean, like, <laughs> Serena with revenge is, you know, is a force we reckon with. And I think that she never got to play Vinci. She never got to play Rosano again. Rosano also. She played Sabiel a lot. Recently.
1: She played a lot of Bammer, <laughs> and she got bammed.
0: <laughs> Bam- Bammer, what year was that? That's 09? Do people Bammer know
1: that? I mean, do you, I don't know. Like, is this a deep cut stat? About Sebille Bammer? I think,
0: I think Sabiel Bammer is pretty deep cut at this point. I'm sure people are out there nodding vigorously. People who knew Bammer. who Bammer beat her. Was it 07 or 09? Bammer beat her and I want to say, it must have been 07. Because I think it was, I think she beat her at Gold Coast back when that was a tournament. Ah. <laughs> this, is, this is going way back. And then beat her um, in Cincinnati. So maybe it was 09. It was, I think it was the first year that Cincinnati was a women's like big tournament.
1: But the point is, is that Sebille Bammer retired being undefeated. Against, against serena williams having played her more than once like there yeah. are players who maybe got one win and then they like whatever which is also very few but yeah. sabiel bammer is like literally like the only player <laughs> that has this yeah. set so she's always like the answer to this like any serena lost trivia question like your first an- your first guess is always like sabiel bammer
0: <laughs> the, the, the first the one the one i guess it's the only one i can think of is comparable at all is parankova with venus
1: and ah. was like,
0: I don't know if it's ever beat Prong, but she definitely lost to her at three different Grand Slams. Yes. So, yeah. So that was just one of those weird things. Yeah. For sure. But, yeah. yeah. On, on Rome, I remember there was a match, a late night match, between Alexander Zverev and David Goffin. I think it was a quarter. And Goffin was like, had break point in the third set and was like doing well. And then of like oh my broke gosh. his racket yes, I remember and this. really really slowly went to go change his racket and just like threw off the entire momentum of the match and it was so gamesy and I was so mad like that was something in tennis <laughs> that made me like the maddest like the most like how dare you like all year I love was, that was you Zverev, don't
1: just... <laughs> I love how you're like you're like oh my god everybody's overreacting that Carolina Pliskova nearly chopped down a tree right exactly but, like,
0: exactly. Alex Paul Alex out woke, there, walked you walked know.
1: so slow <laughs> that I was offended
0: <laughs> It was it was very much you know what you did. You know what yes, you did. It was you know it was very L C as, as as we've said, you know, before, like, we like the muffin, but he crumbles. Like, you know <laughs> Goth I knew right away that it was like that was me too much that extra minute was me too much for Goffam to handle and immediately he won like no more points in that match. <laughs> like he lost like eleven points of it. It was insane how and I remember thinking like Wow, I've seen a lot of tennis. I know exactly what's going to happen. Yeah, here.
1: no, <laughs> like, I remember that as well. Yeah. Like I remember it very clearly. I can like see yeah. Sasha doing it. It was like this whole like, you know, like how do I get this plastic bag off this racket? Oh, like oh,
0: God. <laughs> but, Sa- but yeah, Sasha had a really really good play court season. He, um, this can feed into Paris a little bit. Sasha won the uh madrid masters if you remember that he won and then he made the final of rome and was beating i know i'm guessing you don't remember any of these but it was like leading nadal i think up a break in the third set maybe three one, i want to say oh three, rain one, third rain. and then a rain yes. came Yep, rain I came and changed that match and that was the first of a couple of times that nadal would actually get saved by rain on the clay but zverev we'll you, was yeah we're gonna get to diego but um <laughs> but yeah but zverev had a really good really good clay swing again and then he gets the French Open and plays – again. <laughs> I don't know why this kid makes me so angry all the time. But like he played the most infuriating tournament in Paris where people were like, he's really showing he can play these long matches. Like, no, he's showing that he can't play short matches by going five sets repeatedly against players he has no business going five sets against. And I just seethed the entire time. I seethed.
1: There was a lot of seething, I think, in Paris. Just generally.
0: On the- oh, that – yeah, before we get to, yeah, yeah, we'll get, we'll to the get the there, but, the end, yeah,
1: but... but yeah, but yeah, it all it all was fine in the end, but but I think that there was a lot of just tension in that two weeks in Paris as we were watching that tournament unfold a little bit and just the manner in which it was unfolding, but but getting back to Rome, yeah, but getting back to Rome.
0: Okay.
1: Um uh, remember when Alina Svidalina shellacked Simona Halep for the second straight year in the Rome final? I was
0: gonna give Simona the benefit of skipping over that no. because Simona just like she flops
1: so often what? in these big okay. matches that makes Hold me on. mad. So so often is where I I am not gonna argue that she I know flops. We,
0: we did this we did this like an earlier episode talking going through her year, but like. It's happened a few times. It's happened a few times. So. It happens a few times. It happens a few times. Okay. But it's I'm not saying, like, just, you know. I'm just saying, I didn't want to talk about it. I didn't want to talk about it. You know? <laughs> I didn't want to remember that. No, you don't remember Live your life. That. Live your life. What do I know? <laughs> what do I know? Um... <laughs> <laughs> That's not my memory. I, I I absolutely, you know, Men in Black zapped myself away from that match.
1: It was just like annoying. Only because Stupid. it was just, I mean, and, and it, it speaks volumes to the fact that like, Simona, I think towards the end of the year, people were kind of asking like, if you looked to 2019, like, you know what are your goals what do you you know whatever what tournament do you really have you set your sights on and she's like i want to win rome she's like that yeah. that's like her new like i i got to win that tournament come on like i've made like what two two finals back to back
0: that was her breakout tournament back in the day yeah which
1: it's where she beat aga which is where yeah. everything changed and beat Yankovic and whatever so yeah like it's it's uh, that's her new her new thing but that was you know and and it was again it was just like one of those like Really solid tournaments from Alina Svitolina. Like, this is what we expect her to do. But at the time, like especially like in May, it was like, yeah, but can she transfer that? And, and obviously, it's a question that we still at the to the Slams, which is uh, a question that we will continue to 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 ask. But that was also the yeah. tournament where I think a lot of people kind of started taking notice of her physique, yeah, um, and how different it, and how different she looked physically compared to the, the start of the year or even a couple months earlier, like when, you know, in um, in Doha and Dubai. Yeah. And to her credit, like, she was always very open about it. Like, I never felt like... Mm. I think that I... Well, no, like, I asked her directly about it, like, in the champion's corner. And she wasn't direct in terms of talking about it. Like That's what I was going to say. She didn't actually talk why, about it. But it wasn't she- like she was offended
0: that you were... Like, I never felt no she wasn't offended that's true you know but she did you know what I mean she, did, she, did, she acknowledged she looked different but wouldn't say anything about why
1: right She it,
0: and so open is not the word I would use but yeah she op- was not, you're yeah. right
1: the open is probably not the right word but she wasn't in denial put it that yeah. way where sometimes the women can be like you mm-hmm. know you mention it and if there's something untoward going on
0: in Rome she was almost being yeah
1: yeah in Rome she was flaunting
0: she was almost coy about it yeah it was sort of like oh I have a, a new secret or something like that
1: exactly yeah
0: yeah and so that was the first yeah and at that point it wasn't as much of a concern it was just sort of more oh
1: yeah and and it was like okay like but i remember her reaction um because she wasn't acting the way that i've seen players react in the past when Mm -hmm. that you know when questions about you know weight loss have come up that i was like okay like whatever like i kind of brushed it to the side i was like oh you're fine like i don't know what's going on but Like, it doesn't seem super weird. But that was where people started to be like, hmm. And then her season definitely took a bit of a bit of a turn after that.
0: Yeah. Only to come back and win Singapore, which was, again, I was I was shook. WTA,
1: expect the unexpected, baby.
0: Speaking of tension in Paris, I have, like, never been more tense. And obviously, as a journalist, I honestly really don't care who wins many matches. I really don't. Like, I don't root for people. I don't cheer for people certainly matches sometimes i'll have like oh who's a better story or who i would like to interview and planning things but partisan wise that is not the case for me i will say openly when it comes to ducky lee (laughs) who i just really wanted to have get into a slam main draw at some point he has not been he's gotten to any tour main draw yet and he had two match points in the final round of qualifying against haome Munyar, and he lost in paris and i was so sad and then Munyar beat ferrer out of nowhere in the first round of that tournament wait how do you pronounce his first name i think it's how okay i didn't know like, how may i help you <laughs> right <laughs> that could be wrong but i definitely like that as a as a nickname for him
1: oh that is officially his name <laughs>
0: last name i help you first name how
1: <laughs> oh my
0: that was great uh, uh yeah yeah, but... but anyway, so so I would like for Ducky to make a, a slam major on twenty. Yeah, Ben's
1: been real, Ben's been real stressed about this for yeah. uh, for a
0: while, and so he plays stressful. Like he's a stressful. Person. He I watched him in the Australian Open. Actually, while we were recording our last podcast, yes, I, I remember was watching. Was watching him playing in the Australian Open wildcard playoff, and he lost to the eventual winner, who was this like thirty-two year old guy, which is a cool story. A <laughs> uh, Chinese guy. Yes. Not mad about it at all.
1: No, it's he's. Ben's gotten over it clearly
0: clearly um yeah it's fun
1: yeah so so Rome happens and all that happens and uh we get to Paris and my lord, what an eventful tournament
0: I think things I think when we knew things were going to be nutty right off the bat was uh, when Benoit Paris had with bleached hair <laughs> that's true <laughs> He has a good He is a good weather vane on these things. <laughs> <laughs> He's the canary in the coal mine. Was, of, of,
1: <laughs> things were pointing south real quick.
0: <laughs> it's like if you ever play Zelda um, <laughs> yeah. and, you know, there's like the, what's it called? Fire Mountain is that what it's called? The mountain where the, you know, the fiery mountain. You know what I'm talking about. Yes. If it's like things are bad, there's like a fire ring around it. And if it's like peacetime, it's all like smoke and calm. But like, so he was definitely like. And not that he was. Not that, I mean. Was the term that crazy? I guess it was. It
1: that was that crazy, Marco Checconato.
0: Oh God, yeah, Marco Checconato. Okay,
1: Ooh. okay. And the and <laughs> okay, um, uh, getting... the other guy, Trungoliti.
0: Trungoliti. Okay, so Trungoliti was. Those are two very Italian, very opposite names. So like Trungoliti was Argentine, but Italian name. And like the Trungoliti story was so delightful, like peak delightfulness in terms of like n- like. Moment in tennis that will be like become a screenplay immediately. It's like Truncaliti's road trip. Like, if that's not already an Argentine made for TV movie, what are you doing, Argentina? You know? Yeah,
1: no, it, it just, I mean, okay, remember when Roland Garros was the, and this is saying a lot considering what happened in the other three slams, but Roland Garros was the craziest slam of 2018, 100%. 100% 100% was. You Ooh, had Truncoliti. That's, that's a take. No, it's a take. Know. I'm going. I'm going. Hear me out. Hear me out. Okay. okay. Your honor may I approach the bench. You had <laughs> Truncoliti. You had Chuckinotto. You had Catsuit. You had Seating Gate. You had um, Seating.
0: Oh, right. Right, just, yeah, okay. right.
1: All of these things with Serena. You had um, Pova Serena almost happening and then not happening. You had mm-hmm. Pova, like, Jumping all over Pliskova, which what weird, and then Muguruza slapping her down. You had Halep almost going out to Kerber, so the girls' side was kind of wonky and and all crazy. Ostapenko going out in the first round in a very sad way, all of that. Then on the guys' side, it was wonky, like
0: it. it, it I think it, it just kind of stunk. It, I mean, like you
1: had was it Nov was that Novak team? Is that no, this year? No, 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 that was, no that, that, was, that was that
0: year. That, that was Novak Trung uh Novak Chikanao, oh, baby. I yes. took Novak out of there. Yeah, I, I I understand what you're saying. I think the US Open, when we get to US Open, I think you will I'm gonna not so I'm gonna arrogantly suggest that you're gonna revisit this opinion when you go when we start. I'm open what, to exactly it. what happened at the US Open. I'm fair minded. But, um, but yeah, it was it was it was wild. I mean the Trungality thing was a really good feel good story, but it came from this insane circumstance. Like things like the conditions for it. And this is when Peter Plansky was halfway Yeah. This was like Peter Plansky was halfway to his lucky loser slam. Like things were already getting weird in men's tennis in the slams <laughs> in terms of just like weird, not weird as in like Ostapenko winning type ways. Cause like the top line results and the slam winners were Federer, Nadal, Djokovic, Djokovic. Like that's pretty chalky, even though Djokovic came kind of out of nowhere, uh, considering where he was in Paris. But yeah, like the nutty things happened early, uh, in a weird way. Um, I'm trying to think what else happened. The, and then there was the demolition
1: the party. Remember when we got so, to like tear down the Roland Garros so press a, room?
0: I feel like you're skipping ahead. No, I know, end, but, I, yes, but is, this is my true. whole yeah, yeah, yeah. this is
1: my whole thing okay. about like the French Open was the nuttiest slam. It just was like weird.
0: That was a delirious ending to a tournament for sure. It was that demolition party was awesome. It was so cool writing graffiti about Manon Lennard, Oh. Great.
1: Did you write about <laughs> Malon, Manon? Absolutely I do. Oh, I love you. That's amazing.
0: Absolutely. Oh, um, and, and
1: we like knew somebody who had like a relative in the draw, dude. Oh yeah. Talk about your girl, Harmony. Yeah, Harmony Tan, who uh my very good best friend, Stephanie, um, her who many of you who have followed me through Forty Deuce know who she is. But um but her cousin, who was born and raised in France, Harmony Tan. Made, played qualies. She didn't get the main draw. She lost to Regina Bar- Garcia Perez in the in the in the final round. But yeah, it was it was kind of cool. I don't know. There was a lot going on in Paris. That was I don't know. It, it just felt like a big tournament to me. I don't know, like so, a crazy, unexpected. What the heck is going on at any given day? Kind of a tournament.
0: It was. It was even though it was short, and maybe this goes to my whole like another nomination in. Not that you can ever call her supporting actress, but in terms of where she finished in the draw she was supporting, like, Serena's tournament in Paris was amazing because she had the whole catsuit thing, which was, which was, like, I don't think we knew that. Because usually at this point they they tell us, you know, we see pictures of outfits beforehand. I don't think we saw them beforehand. That was a pretty big shock when she walked on court with that. Were I you pro cat
1: said... suit or were you not feeling it?
0: Um, I like, I don't know. I...
1: Your hesitation speaks volumes.
0: I don't know. No, I, I, cause I considering how much I've like written about it, <laughs> you know, I don't right. actually have. Weirdly, I don't have a strong opinion on it either way. I think she should absolutely be well. Stopping myself there too. I think that it was not within the rules when she wore it, but I think she should be allowed to wear it. Yeah, um, sure. I think, and so I think that I'm to glad clarify that the, rule, the, the, FFT's the WTA. Ruled, no, right, the, the WTA didn't have a rule against it. But no, no, I'm, I'm saying well, well. This, I talked to WTA umpires about this. Like the rule was like unclear. There, like this whole thing, the players have said that, like, other players reacted to Serena's cat suit and said, like, oh, we're not allowed to wear full length leggings. we sure. have to always wear a cat. But there was no ever there was never a written rule about there was like, never.
1: No, no. And I've obviously talked yeah. to my people about this. Um, yeah. And my understanding is and what has been explained to me is that there was never a rule on the books that present prevented a player from wearing leggings without a skirt. There was a rule on the books that prevented players from wearing compression shorts without a
0: skirt. I see I didn't even see that rule. Like I just found the whole I just like found like an paper trail. I'm just
1: saying, this is what I was told. Okay. And that therefore but that there was a perception um, amongst umpires and supervisors that the compression short rule applied to leggings. I think to wear they umpire... had to wear the skirt. And that's where things got got a little messed up, but like technically in the rule book it was never prevented. Is my point. It's the, like the... it was an issue of interpretation. Yeah. But it wasn't explicitly but it was consistently
0: prevented. interpreted though. There was like there was like a weird like practice among the umpires of, of... Of enforcing it a certain way and not having the uncovered sure. leggings and okay. not having the full-length leggings and asking women to roll up their leggings to show their calves. It was all very weird, like, reverse, like, 1920 twentiesism. Like, you must show your calves, otherwise we'll be scandalized. And, they, and one idea I heard is that, like, leggings somehow fit into, like, warm-up clothes in the definition or something. Mm. And suddenly they would, like, fall into that category, which is not allowed to play during matches without... Supervisor permission anyway. It's a whole it's it's a whole, it's murky. whole thing with like it it's a whole and thing. So with they cleaned legacies. it up. They cleaned it up. Yeah, but, yeah. The, I, I think the catsuit photographed pretty well. I think I, think I liked very, it. Very I cool mean, photos. I don't. I didn't yeah. have a
1: problem with it. I remember at the time thinking, just theoretically, I wasn't thinking this concretely within the situation that Serena was finding herself in. Yeah, but I, I think I brought it up to you and a few other people. Like, if a because pl- Serena at the time said, I, "I'm wearing this compression." Suit, suit for yeah. health reasons, which I totally get. And at that point, yeah, you're sure. just kind of like, of course. But maybe this is the lawyer in me. I'm like, says who? Like, am I supposed to take your word for it that you're wearing... Like, you're not sitting at the dais uh, under oath that you're wearing it under... Mm-hmm. That it's a medical device. You know what I mean? Like, I-, I-, I, just, I just remember talking to a few people being like, I mean, how do we actually... I don't know. To me, like words really matter. Like if you're going to say that you're wearing it for health reasons, okay, then you're telling me that the spandex that is involved in that cat suit is special compared to just a general pair of Lululemon leggings or whatever that Nike sells off the rack. So if I'm the FFT, which every federation, my understanding, especially with, um, I know that Wimbledon, it's a sway, but I think the FFT as well. But I'm pretty sure that the, all the slams, because their rules are separate are different than the tour rules with respect mm-hmm. to attire, Like they would have to approve like your kit before the tournament starts. And a lot of players, and, manu- and not the players, but the manufacturers, send their kits, especially, like again, at Wimbledon, at the French Open, in advance to the FFT and say, hey, can, like this is what this player is wearing. Can you just confirm that this is in accordance with the rules of your tournament and that's where all that negotiation happens so ostensibly i presume that that discussion was had um but maybe it wasn't i don't know i mean this goes to like kind of my general thing that has been a a growing pet peeve of mine over time that like why do we assume that everybody's like speaking as though they've sworn on a bible like Mm. if the fft like ostensibly, if Serena walked out on court with that suit, so long as she showed it, so long as Nike like showed it to the FFT, and the FFT never said no, and she walked out and, on it, then it's permitted. Like you were Serena
0: getting... said they did. I'm not sure if they actually did. I, but, but this Serena is my point. Is like yeah. people
1: can say a lot of things, but I, I'm not. And again, I'm saying this is all in the abstract. I'm not talking. I'm not saying Serena lied. I'm not saying any of that or that the suit was not what it was. I don't know. My point is that what I'm saying is that I don't know. And I think that it was really weird. I remember in Paris, because Paris is when it all sparked in my head. Like, I just thought it was really weird that everybody was taking it as like for face value. Like all of a sudden, like, you know, like she said, oh, I'm, I, I wear it for medical reasons. And then like the next day, like genuinely reporters were reporting that it's like a medical device. And I was like, I'm not saying that she's, but like, isn't it our job to kind of like double check that before we say it is like, you know what I mean? Like, shouldn't there be like, if you want to show me, if you want to take the cat suit and do a pressure test and the pressure that it, it, that it, um, like exerts on your, on your leg is higher by an order of 2.5 magnitude over what a casual thing that you go by at the gap is, then okay, that's evidence that it's a medical device. But if it's just a tight that you could buy off the rack, is it? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Like, it really. But I remember in Paris, it really, really bothered me. Not that she got to wear the catsuit, suit because I love the catsuit, suit, but just like how it was being reported upon, like that—that that was really, really sloppy to me, and it really bothered me. Like all of it. And then the WTA got roped into it of like, oh, what the fuck is the WTA doing? It's like, yo, it's not our freaking rule, dude. Like what are you talking about? Like, and it, it just got all conflated and it got, you know, and that's related to how it, like the maternity rule was discussed throughout the year and everything. It was just like, oh, everybody needs to stop and actually put on the reporter hat and actually report the facts as they exist. And then once we all agree on the basic, like, you know, framework of the facts, then we can all argue about what should be. That's fine. That's a debate that is is healthy and good. But man, like starting with the cat suit, going into seating, everything, like it was so much sloppiness last year.
0: We talked about this a lot, and, and obviously, this goes into US Open and stuff too. We talked about a lot, like the value or not value, and this is a, a very Serena phenomenon of what it means when non tennis people start weighing in on tennis in the media and when it becomes bigger than tennis and there are so many things within tennis like again like we're talking about the minutiae of the leggings rule or lack of rule or the practice of how the rules interpreted and enforced selectively or not selectively but in a way that's not exactly how it lines up in the books or whatever and it's established sort of practice i mean all these things and maybe this is tennis being messier than it should be and not having its house in order sometimes but um especially when it comes to so many different federations and different rules stuff like that but like when things get outside energy. And again, the catsuit was a talking point for the first match, but not that big a talking point. It didn't really become a talking point until the U.S. Open when everyone, when, when Shelley's comments came out and people were like, right. oh, well, Serena's, you know, wearing a tutu in protest. It's like, no, she's not. That's not how this works. Or like, like people being like, oh, she should protest the
1: WTA by not playing the French Open next year. I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, that's literally not how that works.
0: And, and just like, and just and people saying, um, oh, you know, uh, she, well, she should, you know, again, she wasn't going to wear the catsuit again because it was a one-off outfit. And she wore... That's not how tennis fashion all... works. Right. No, no. And and she had switched by that point at Wimbledon, I think. By the second round of Wimbledon, I think, she had gotten comfortable in these sort of... They were very hard to see on TV in any sort of wide shot. They were the these sort of fishnet, uh, you know, skin-colored... Uh, uh,
1: yeah, kind of like figure types. skating.
0: Yeah, kind of. Yeah. And they were like... You, you know? could see them in close-ups. Sometimes if they ever had like an extreme close-up on her ankle or her... Leg or whatever, you would see that you would see these fishnets and be, Oh, okay, I didn't realize she was wearing those at first. I remember the first match at Wimbledon against Arancha Rouge, she was wearing kind of, it looked like pantyhose almost. It had like more of a sheen to it, her legs. But then from then on, she changed into something else and it was much more subtle and it was much more legs. So yeah, I don't know. The whole, I think you're right. The compression, the whole compression thing, I, you know, people took Serena's, Serena had an explanation for it. People took and and maybe, maybe Serena's right. Maybe it's not. I just, I'm someone who doesn't know much about compression um, socks or anything i just remember thinking it'd be hard for her to move with the entire suit with compression like how do you
1: wear uh, compression you get like
0: kind of used to it i mean like because I, I, I wear I compression
1: know. socks like when i travel because i'm an old lady um and like when you first put them on it's like literally when you're done putting on the socks like you're sweating like they're that tight um but then once you wear them like you would really don't feel them like they're you know and so i would think that it's a little bit of that but I, don't, I mean, I don't know. Like I said, like, I, I'm i not saying that what she was wearing was not that, but I just thought it was from a process perspective so weird that people just, like, took her for, her for, like, her word. Like, oh, yeah, no, I got this approved and it's a medical device, basically. It's like, well, says who? Like, you know what I mean? Like, it just, it was very perplexing to me. And... I just it, it 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 ended up being a distraction that it didn't need to be and and this from something again I love the suit like I want her to wear the suit forever like um but the process of how it was reported upon and how it was I don't know it wasn't it didn't make me feel good about this sport I'll be quite honest it didn't make me feel good about that room that press room so
0: so I mean speak, going back to that press room Serena is sort of the clip I would play for her. Um, in her Best Supporting Actress nomination for film Roland Garris* 2018 <laughs> was when she got asked that nutty question about Donald Trump. Oh, yeah. Um, that's her remember one. Yeah. And, and that whole press conference, um, which she had... I think it's the same one, right? Yeah, I think I'm not conflating two press conferences. Where she had started out the press conference by saying, I just want to go home and see with my daughter... Oh right, right, right. It was yeah, the same one. And then by the end, she was talking at length about how Maria Sharapova's book was 100 percent hearsay. Um, and I think that was the same one. I'm not sure if I'm conflating. Conflating two. I can't say one was the other. Someone can check me on that. But it anyway. Though Serena in press there just had some interesting barbs and, and talked about Maria's book for the first time. And she said at some point she was maybe that's why she wouldn't win the category for actress. But she's like, I'm always really looking forward to reading her book. You know, just as, just as a fan. <laughs> You know yes, I'm just like
1: that. what? Yeah, I think that Maria, there were a Serena few. Williams calling
0: herself a Maria Sharapova fan. Just the, the audacity. It was it was it was pretty funny. Um uh, it was yeah, it was all 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 fun. Yes. And, then, and then Serena yeah, retired very suddenly. Um as the match before them on Chatrier was wrapping up, Serena was a very late withdrawal for that match, after again another great scene stealing moment from her in that in that doubles match, uh when she talked to the umpire about Maria Jose Martinez Sanchez and how <laughs> <laughs> I played her one time before, and um, I'll, I'll insert that audio clip, actually, because that's outstanding. Okay. If I get by my hit my ball or
1: I it this yeah. is the point over? Yes. Okay, can you make sure she understand that? Because I did hit her once, and she kept playing it and I lost the
0: point. Okay, if that happens, then I'll explain
1: that to her. Okay. Okay?
0: You. Just the level of pettiness <laughs> from Serena to bring up something that happened, like, nine years ago. And say, you like, say petty, I say rules. competitive. But the thing is, she played Martina Sanchez several times since then too.
1: Fair enough, but it you was know, she... it was great. Certain certain wounds take longer to heal. Certain scars are more visible.
0: Champions like Cannon should be petty though. Like it, competitive, oh, yeah, it comes from a place of competitiveness and pettiness. Even almost in life is sort of a shortened version of competitive you can't spell competitive without petty i guess yeah i think you have to have that sort of instinct to be out there and just, you know, want to run the show. And that's certainly how Serena works. And instructing the umpire to inform <laughs> Martina Sanchez of the rules. It was all it was all so good. And she did play really well in that tournament, too. Like, she went out there and killed Yulia Gerges in the third round. Because earlier that day, Pova had wiped the floor with Pliskova. And we were like, wow, this could be Pova's, you know, Pova could get this one. And then Serena went out and did similar to Gerges. And it was like, well, I'll dial that back. But there was real intrigue about that Serena-Sharapova match.
1: It will always be one of those like I want like you know what if, because I I feel like that all of the, dis- the discussion the discussions surrounding why that match didn't take place, like continues to this day.
0: Mm. If people think that Serena doctor, you're saying.
1: Well, so, there are some people think that she doctor. There are some people who no. think that like she was legit. Like injured, but like there, but I think that most people are always kind of like, what happens if that match gets played? Yeah. Even if Serena's That's... fine, even if Serena's like perfectly healthy and she takes the court, because Maria Maria had been playing quite well, like yeah. you had just said, like we had said in the last episode, like that stretch. I mean, the clay stretch was her best stretch of the season. She had played really well in in, in Stuttgart, Madrid, Rome, leading in, and, and she would played. She got that great win over Pliskova, riding high, seemed seemed ready for it. I remember her press conference being like, look, we're, let's go. Let's, let's see what happens. Yeah. So I, I think that, I think that a lot of us do wonder what happens in that match. If it, if it actually gets
0: played. A lot of WTA coaches are talking to as that match was in the minutes before we thought it was going to start. We're picking Maria. Like people were picking. Maria a lot of people just, were. We yeah. Just, I remember just, that. She just don't do uh, before. She's just not smart and playing the odds of Serena versus Sharapova. <laughs> so yeah, it was one that got away for sure. And uh makes the ending of her, of her sort of run all the more tantalizing and intriguing and, captivating uh, not the match itself wouldn't have been great but it was uh yeah we didn't get there on the other things that did happen we got a, a listener suggestion from listener uh jean scott dodd who um talks about diego schwartzman playing uh rafael nadal and p- being up i think a set maybe even a, a set in a break before the rain started coming and that quarterfinal match got delayed but my last and that's very true and that was by far the toughest test rafa had Rafa um, wasn't really challenged at all on his way to the French Open title, number eleven, the undecima. And even though I was making running jokes that Isner was going to be his biggest threat, and I got so much people flag. were real mad at you. People were so people get mad at me online all the time. People people are constantly mad online about me. But like the Isner <laughs> Isner Nadal thing, which is especially triggering for them for some reason. And anyway, um, Isner, yeah, we don't know if it. I mean, Nadal won the tournament, and didn't have to play Isner, so I feel like I might have won that argument. <laughs> But the best moment, for, for sure, for Diego Schwarzman, was when he was playing Kevin Anderson, and he was talking to chair empire Mariana Valyovic about, and I'll put in some audio of this, too, of this conversation.
1: It's not respect, you know? You know, to have some respect for the players. Because when I miss the ball, you need to be quiet. Not every point saying, come on, KA, yay come
0: on, KA, yay shut, shut up. But you think I, I am not right? Okay. You are with me. And just like... As Diego is talking, talking, you can just see the heart eye emoji like creeping <laughs> over Valuvich's face. And she is like literally biting her lip. And she is so taken with Diego. And his immense charm in this small package is just so wonderful as
1: any human being would be regardless of your gender sexual orientation whatever you would be charmed by Diego Schwartzman I'm sorry these are the rules I've taken a survey we all love him all of us man woman gay straight it it just doesn't matter
0: there are like plants courtside at suzanne long who just like, We're like leaning over towards the bloom <laughs> yeah like towards the sun one of those plants <laughs> phototropic or whatever like they yeah so that was wonderful i seemed at the time like he was complaining about kevin and both kevin and diego said later that diego was actually complaining about somebody who's in kevin's box he was shouting a lot because this is when you know kevin was doing a lot of his come on yes. in yes and which he toned down a lot as the year went on but that was sort of that was an understandable perception but it was it, looking back it was weird that value would sort of clearly be against one of the players on court their <laughs> reaction had that been the actual case so that part makes sense but yeah just diego's charms and all the any time you find a gif of him dancing ever he's just like he's the best dancer he's a joy just, he is a delight he is an absolute delight and jumping ahead to remember when laver cup i don't know if we're gonna get there but like the fact that they put him next to Isner so many times in like group, <laughs> group spreads was just made me so happy. Like that's all that I wanted from Team World was a lot of Isner Schwartzman next to each other, and I got a fair amount of it. I was pretty happy.
1: Does the WTA have a Diego, or is Diego such a unicorn? Like he's just like him.
0: It's more extreme because he's so small. Like I think a woman to be very wee would have to be under five feet to be as small. You'd as You'd need Diego like a da- like adore. a
1: dancing Lauren Davis.
0: Right. Lauren Davis, even like maybe like two inches smaller, I think the closest you would get to Diego Schwartzman in WTA is Krinich. Mm. She's the one that pings for me the most Schwartzman y, but she's a different kind of animal. She's, she's so like, much
1: more serious and thoughtful so much, and philosophical. Yeah, serious. And she
0: can be fun and just like and she has a lot of charisma too, and she th- does. they both share that. she's the one that comes closest for me, yeah, but I'm not I'm not totally sure that there is one. But I like I said, the height difference I think cannot be overstated because Diego is listed as being five foot seven. He is not <laughs> He is not five foot seven. That's he's like five. Close, he's like five four yes. or something. And like and and so compared to a guy like is and I I would like actually, I don't know how we arrange this. But I would like for there to be an accurate shortman height assessment just because you know his size is so important to how people see him and how he exists in the sport. And I just and it's stupid. The number is so clearly wrong. Just seeing uh him do his thing and yeah it, it's so the five foot four is a very many standard deviations away from current ATP. That's what I'm saying. So I think it would have to be a woman like under five feet tall, a woman who we don't currently have. I, don't, I can't remember ever seeing a woman under five feet tall in the WTA. Kutzer? Sense, actually. Kutzer, I want to say, it was maybe five feet even, maybe five, one. I don't think she was quite under. Fair enough. I don't know. Okay. Anyway, uh, so that's uh, that's about all I have for French Open. Well, that's oh, all you oh, have for French jo-
1: Open, and yet you, we don't even talk towards the end. I mean, this is why I'm saying this tournament was nutso. Nutso. Djokovic
0: going, Djokovic going to room two with one of the naughtiest things. Yes. Go, losing to Marco Ciccinato in four sets, long tie break in that fourth set, I believe. And Djokovic marching himself into Chatrier from Long Long where he played the match, walking into the press room, seeing an, a press room an interview room, uh, room two, which had been deactivated and decommissioned by that point. And he just like marched outside the podium and would not budge. Like all the cameras, all the reporters were there, like twenty feet away in room one, which you could have walked to through a private corridor if he would wanted to go through that little transcription room. And he just looks like nope, and so he pouted in room two. And all the reporters there was an announcement that Novichilov, which is now interview room two, and people were like, "What?" And people got in there, and it was a it was a whole whole scene. And he said he might skip the grass. Yes, two. he did. Yeah, he, he like, said he might, know, skip might skip a grass. the grass.
1: Reporters were mad because one of the things that we have to do as reporters is uh, some of us have to get audio. And so they were all set up in in interview room one to get audio from him, obviously from the microphone. Room two is like maybe a, I mean a, a sixth of the size of room one.
0: Yeah, a quarter, a sixth, something like that. Yeah. A fifth,
1: maybe. And it's not a bad room. It's not most, a bad like room, first week. but like yeah. yeah, like I just remember I just kept hearing a lot of radio people like running around after the the Djokovic press conference, like all trying to like be like, did you get audio? Did you did you? Can you send it to me? Like, yeah, people were real freaked out for their jobs at the moment. Yeah. No. But uh, but yeah, no. So all that happens. Meanwhile, on the lady side, Simona and Sloan. And Simona finally gets it done. And it's almost, it's kind of this weirdly poetic thing, right? I mean, like, she goes and she wins the 2018 French Open in the exact opposite way of how she lost the 2017 French Open. Mm. So down a set and a break, it, you know, getting outplayed against Sloan. Sloan was playing great. So well in that tournament, And And and, and it looked like, I mean, it was a 50-50 match going into that one because of the way that Sloan was playing. And then Halep just, like, just instead of backing off and instead of feeling sorry for herself, which is something that can happen with Simona a lot and sitting there and muttering and, and just kind of like being fatalistic, she takes her fate in her own hands. She steps up, she plays more aggressively. She, you know, and she basically out, she takes the, she wins it on the physical game. Um, and she, she plays a smarter game and she shows her experience. She gets it done. And it was nuts. And I, I, I mean, I was thinking about it this morning cause I knew that we were going to be recording later today And I was like, you know, in the time that I've been covering tennis, there's a handful of very specific shots that I remember, right? I mean, we watch a lot of tennis. Like, it's hard Mm -hmm. to just remember, you know, matches, let alone specific shots that you can remember vividly. But one of, like, the top five that I think that when my career is over, I will always remember is the drop shot get that Halep got against Sloan in the third set. Sloan had hit a really great drop shot. Halep got up to it, barely was able to slip her, her racket under the ball as it is about to hit the ground and gets it back over, wins that point. And it is very much one of those like, um, sliding door points in the same way as if you remember the 2017 French open on a break point, I do believe it was, um, in the, in the second or third set, I can't remember, but, uh, it was Ostapenko. He hit a ball that was clearly going out, hit the net post and landed just in. Mm. And it was a it was a ball that Hallip still talks about to this day of being like that was the ball that made me believe that like there was no there's no way I'm winning this match like everything was on her side, and th- but this get when she got this this drop shot that's when she said she looked up she fist pumped to her to her box she's like there's no way I'm losing this match, and so there was just kind of this poetry about everything that this kid had gone through. She's, like, the smallest of the top 10. She's, like, the most, like, crazy in the head and has had to deal with so much of the, in terms of the ups and downs and everything and, like, getting it done. Like, that was... I mean, obviously, when the U.S. Open kind of rolled around and the way the U.S. Open ended, there were a lot of emotions, like, that I felt about that match and about Osaka. But, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, like, Halep getting it done the way that she did was um especially after like how the australian open ended was like truly probably like the biggest memory probably that i'll have from 2018 so i just wanted to shout that out for
0: remember for sure no having it be her fourth grand slam final was just all very cathartic and especially having the Ostapenko situation which is like we just didn't see osipenko coming you know like i guess that day the morning of that final i guess you know obviously there's a possibility it's not gonna go her way but gosh it was such a mismatch on paper and everyone thought that I was have to cool off and how it'd be the perfect player to cool her off to be just too good and just keep making her get that one extra ball. And when it didn't happen, it was sort of like, yeah, you know, yeah, and, and that, and that she stuck with it was, it's a big testament to her for sure.
1: Yeah. And, and I also just think like we were mentioning in the last episode about uh, the Australian open and, and about how, you know, the, um the tenor surrounding Simona Halep started to change maybe in Australia. Like, But I I do think that it really did start in Paris, like of last year. The way that she lost that French Open final, I think people finally kind of like kind of had a heart for this kid. Like up until that point, yeah, I I know her. The way that she talks, the way that she is on court, she can seem very cold. And very kind of robotic and very unemotional, even though, like, I mean, she's a bundle of emotion. That's the whole point yeah. of her.
0: She's kind of like a, like a emotional, but like, can she be monotone? Yeah. Yes,
1: exactly. And so people don't really, um at least reporters, I should say, not people. But the reporters weren't really kind of, like, getting her. Especially when you talk about reporters who don't cover the women's tour every single weekend, week out, and they kind of jump in. And so you talk to Simona Hallop like, maybe, like, twice a year. And in those two times, like, she's maybe not... Um, giving you the charisma or the warmth that you think that I don't know, but um, but obviously I talk to her all the time and I've always like really really respected the way that Simona goes about her business. She's a total pro. But I think the way that she lost the French Open final last year, like kind of, is when people started to maybe thaw with respect to her, and then like, like you an know... Andy
0: Murray twenty twelve Wimbledon moment, yeah. right?
1: Exactly, and then and you know and how classy she was in the in the speech, and then she has like what like multiple times a, a win away. Of, of getting to the number one like in uh, Eastbourne uh, it, Wimbledon she crashes out uh, it uh, what was it uh, double bageled maybe by Muguruza and Cincy
0: close to it yeah something
1: like that like and it was a match for number one and then draws Sharapova in the first round of the US Open like it just I think that everything people were like okay we kind of feel bad for this kid at this point <laughs> like this is terrible and she gets to number one then puts in that performance in Australia but like by the time the French Open so all that is to say like 12 months later when she's stem- done, by the time she gets to the French Open, I think that people like really actually wanted her to win. Completely. And I don't think that people really th- wanted that twelve months earlier. Like they were resigned th- to it, but it wasn't like they were actively
0: rooting for it. I think that's probably fair. And that, and that being said, like Sloane is having an amazing tournament.
1: Unbelievable, and so, yeah. And
0: that was it was a really good final, really good anticipation, and like Sloane absolutely because Sloan was another one of those players who won a Grand Slam and then lost the first round of Australia, which was her next Grand Slam, and went on a huge losing streak after the U.S. Open. And so it was very easy. And then she won Miami, yeah, but then she hadn't done that much on the clay. It was very, and just like her run in Paris just felt sort of like consummating her U.S. Open win, just sort of like being like, I am legit. Look at how good I can play. Look at when I'm on. Like, you can't figure out a way to beat me. Like how clean I can, like that was when I really think people sort of took notice of her. As a player and, and, and she took notice of us as being her biggest haters. <laughs> That's the thing I one.
1: mean it, <laughs> Oh, trust me, I remember that. I
0: You I guys just, are my biggest haters.
1: You guys are my biggest haters and she literally pointed to Ben
0: and myself. <laughs> <laughs> was like, what? And when she really meant to be pointed to Tumani, who wasn't even there. She blamed us for a stat that I never even retweeted. I
1: don't i I I. it was Thoroughly perplexing.
0: Sloane is not a reliable narrator. <laughs> be very I don't clear. know
1: if that she is or isn't, but I just was so perplexed in that moment because I was just like, "What have I ever done?" But it's literally my job to sell you. Like, I don't, I don't get this. But there, there may or may not be a photo of Ben and I standing under a graffitied. You two yeah, are my biggest, gra- my biggest haters. uh Yeah,
0: we, we put all these quotes around around <laughs> Roland Garros uh, during the destruction party, which was so much fun. I wrote a story for the New York Times about that. Um, for those who don't know, after the
1: French Open, because of the way that yeah. um, the court uh, Philippe Chatrier is being renovated and all the expansion, they're tearing down and, and rebuilding the, the, yeah. the press center under Philippe Chatrier. Which means it was getting
0: torn down, like, the next the day. The
1: next day. Like, so, like, we basically, they, get, they literally handed out hard hats on the last day to reporters. I just got off on my shift because I was calling the men's final um and i got off my shift and when the final was done i walk into the press room and there's a dude with a hard hat with a with a with a pen like a graffiti pen and a hammer just like going to town on the wall like i don't know what's going on but it basically yeah they let the 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 reporters write whatever they wanted on the walls like it was nuts and it was really really fun and cathartic
0: absolutely so that was the french open that was Uh, rafa won yeah rafa winning that was a team made a final for the first time and team checking out was actually not a bad semi-final um checking out had the whole match fixing shadow over him we haven't mentioned yet his run was nuts no it one mentioned it sort but of you like, ben
1: how dare I know, you and then i
0: and then i get blamed for focusing on the negative and for all we know who blamed like, you i mentioned uh T- todd woodbridge For sure, if we're naming names, but also just like people in tennis who wish that there weren't clouds in the sky. I don't know what they're talking. I mean, you know, people who just like people who think that everything should be positive. People got mad at Ben for bringing up the fact that
1: Marco Cecchinato had been implicated in match fixing allegations in the past. Right. Because it put the sport in disrepute. Which is like a weird thing because honestly, you should probably be getting mad at Marco Cecconato for putting the, the sport in disrepute, not yep. in the reporters who are reporting on the things that the tennis integrity unit says that Marco Cecconato did.
0: They haven't technically said so. so the thing with to give us some, I don't know if we talked about it at the time, but uh, case is like still like never been ruled on by the TIU, and Nicholas Kicker got banned right before like the like hours before they got French open draw ceremony and kickers like suspicious match happened like a couple months before checkado is back in like 20 i don't know 15 I want to say like, they're, they're slow tell you is slow is the point and this is something that gets brought up actually just today the day we're recording um tiu's independent review panel final report came out um all hundred and something pages of it. And one of the things they say is like you gotta be a lot quicker. Like you have too many cases going on. And we have every reason to believe that Marco Chaconato is still a case pending with TIU. So that's absolutely a shadow that deserves to be there. And yeah, and I and I did like and it was also interesting it's interesting sort a media lesson for me. Like I'd written two article or one article about it for the New York Times, and, like tweeted that article, but didn't really get any traction until I did like a tweet thread about it.
1: Yes, that's right. I remember that.
0: Yeah, so that's a lesson to me. Like if you want people to click and I know there's a uh new york times has sort of a soft paywall of 10 articles a month i think but maybe people couldn't get it because of that or people just don't bother clicking links on twitter but anyway that was a effect my first ever like good tweet storm because i've had sure had bad ones i'm sure <laughs> yeah so that was that was that tournament and then checking out actually yeah didn't i think he's like a top 20 player now so his whole, his whole run was nuts and he was sort of it was a year of a couple weird men's results happening or like the <laughs> men's Runs at Slams with baggage after Sangren in Australia and then Check in Paris. Very different baggage, but baggage. Kevin Anderson Uh, at Wimbledon.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) It's so clean. (laughs) Kevin's so clean.
0: Yeah. June, we went, I went to Berlin, but then the person we haven't talked about yet, uh, who I want to give a shout out to, who did really well out of especially nowhere, I think, in when she did well in Birmingham, I was like, you're just going to do well everywhere, aren't you? Is Mihaela Buzernescu. I know. His name we have not said yet. And who just had this, like, wildly great 2018 and, out of uh, complete nowhere. And it was just, it was just like, it was one of those things like. I was happy for her and i was also just confused like where did this come from
1: she was so good and 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 i was thinking about it today because i'm writing a piece and uh just kind of recapping the year and and i I feel like she has what she did in 2018 has been completely forgotten because she got injured and she didn't really finish the season you know and she won stanford or san jose and then got injured in her next tournament so like the san jose was kind of like where people would have theoretically she would have been building momentum and she would have been like a dark horse in new york and
0: you kind know, of person people do interviews with in cincinnati exactly that kind of and yeah. and she yeah. missed
1: out on all of that but she was to me like i was putting together a list of like the the players who defined 2018 and absolutely. and she was absolutely that player like like her absolutely. and like you know sabalenka but but the, more so than sabalenka really like Buzonescu. i mean somebody who was like constantly there in the mix like because it's one thing to do well in one half of a season, it's one thing to do well in a handful of tournaments, but like she was so consistent in getting to 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 round of sixteens, quarterfinals, and putting herself and getting good wins and all that, it was so impressive. And 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 she's doing it at like what twenty eight years old. Mm-hmm. You don't see that that that's so rare. And so yes, remember when Mihaela Buzonescu is a very very important part of this yeah. uh, part of this podcast because she she deserves to. Go down as, as one of the top you know five six seven stories of 2018. Like it was unbelievable what she was doing, and it was fun to watch her when she was on. Like cause it just didn't make
0: sense. Her You're game like, was what? it was different looking game. She was a lefty. Shots were kind of loopy, yep. but in a not bad way. Big kind of take back. I think. Yep. I haven't seen her in a few months. But that's I remember. And yeah, she she was just an interesting sort of player. And she played. She beat Svitolina in Paris, and Svitolina didn't even play bad. She just got. Beach. Yeah, she got hosed, and and it was it was just impressive, and so her she was the story that I wrote in. I feel like the stories were really good in, in Paris for sure. Her and Trungoliti kind of almost in the same boat, like just like this is like underdogs doing things, and even Schwartzman like Schwartzman beating Anderson in that tournament like it was like an underdog special that tournament. Uh, oh, I didn't remember when 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 Trungoliti won and beat Bernard Tomic, and Bernard Tomic had his press conference we like no answer for <laughs> longer than six words, and I wrote a lot, I wrote the entire transcript of that press conference on the wall, of the destruction. Project. Yes,
1: yes, the so. entire transcript of the Bernard Tomic press conference was on the wall, courtesy to courtesy of Ben.
0: It, it took about thirty seconds.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it was short. How many? How many words? Do you remember oh still?
0: Like... I don't remember. It was like a hundred something, yeah. like low hundreds. Yeah, like low hundred and, and small change. Yeah, uh, yeah. Basically, Speaking not
1: of... not enough words to even cash in a Google search because you need 150
0: <laughs> well put <So. laughs> um remember when also in june when the fft banned double fault 28
1: oh i do remember this that's a good remember when right that's a really good remember when and how dare you how dare, this? How dare you back. fellow federation still
0: need, we still need to get diamondator back diamondator is still gone it's been like the much lower key thing diamondator's out you didn't know this ricky has no. been gone since like august <laughs>
1: Oh, I just thought that he just wasn't tweeting because he had better no, things to do.
0: He has been he has been banned. What? For tweet for tweeting a video of Nick Curios for getting his shoes coming out to court in Cincinnati. Banned by and ATP? Like a video a video he took with like his cell phone off the TV. It wasn't even a good video. And they banned him. It's dumb.
1: That's not cooled at all.
0: No. So I don't like it. Yeah, I'm surprised you didn't know that Ricky was gone. But he's been banned for months.
1: I genuinely just thought that he had shit to do.
0: Nope. That's all. (laughs) Not the the issue. (laughs) (laughs) Nope. Not that. Wimbledon.
1: Uh yeah.
0: Wimbledon. Um, I remember being in Roehampton. I remember Jeannie Bouchard refusing to talk to press (laughs) after she played matches on the main court there. I don't remember much of Roehampton this year. Ducky had a less heartbreaking loss.
1: Wasn't Roehampton actually like straight? Like it was like produced and streamed and. Yeah, it's all been all for that. a couple
0: years. Yeah, and there's much more media show up in Roehampton now, um, which I guess is good. I mean, like Roehampton definitely is not as hipster as it used to be. Well, for on the media side, it's still like podunk. If you actually look at it in the player experience, it's so incredibly far below what they get Wimbledon. It's so below the Wimbledon standard. Which players will say? Is, which players, absolutely. The ones who will talk will absolutely say that. Like. And I've done stories on that before and players who are not the ones who are rabble rousers, you know, generally like Tim Smecheck will tear into Roehampton for you. <laughs> like, so yeah, so it's it's an interesting situation. I, I always really like doing it. Um, it's just, it's just the access or just being up close to tennis in a way you never really are before. You're like, it's uncomfortably how close you are. You're like standing on the court at a Grand Slam, like on the court more or less so yeah, so that I don't remember much from we necessarily I remember that Wimbledon in terms of pre- Wimbledon Wimbledon had a pledge this year to do 50 50 men and women in social media and their coverage of of their promotion of the tournament which was interesting and I remember someone saying that we should do the same thing at NCR <laughs> and both of us being like have you heard of NCR like we
1: it was because it was it wasn't like they were suggesting they were accusing us of like not. Like, wh- and when will you
0: pledge? And they and to be clear, they did it from a side of, like, make sure you're not giving the misogynists. Like, they weren't. If this was a men's rights advocacy that was happening, <laughs> we'd be like, okay, touche. Like, yes, we don't talk about the men's very much at right. all. But, like, the fact that they thought that we were anywhere near, you know, talking more about men than women, just, like, they have not listened to our show. But they were very insistent. So Not
1: in news, like, having it.
0: Wimbledon. One, it was hot.
1: I remember it being yeah, really it always,
0: hot. It was gross.
1: It was so gross. Because I don't know, like, because you, you say an Airbnb and, like, they I say an air Airbnb. Yeah. And, like, n- does yours have air conditioning?
0: Absolutely not. Okay. Nope.
1: And mine didn't have air conditioning. And mine was, like, a second floor walk-up.
0: Yep, mine and did. And
1: it was effing brutal. It like, every single day. Like, just trying to figure out how to regulate temperature in that place was brutal.
0: It was really gross. And actually, I realized... um for my whole Europe trip, I didn't, I don't, I can't remember Rome exactly, but I didn't stay anywhere with air conditioning. Ugh, oh, it was hot the entire summer there, and like Paris was hot. Paris too. Paris was hot too. Yeah, Every, everything's everything's getting hotter in Europe. It's just part of global. I remember, I remember when I was in the stands in Birmingham, and they had an announcement that was like, "Ladies and gentlemen, the temperature is extremely hot today, so please take extreme caution in hydration and putting on sunblock." Look to my phone. It was seventy six degrees. <laughs> It didn't feel warm, I guess, and like and people, I guess, aren't used to it there. But just like structure, and buildings aren't built to like keep out heat in Europe; they're built to keep in warmth in like England and things like that. And so, gosh, yeah, the the being just like sweaty every time you we are trying to go to sleep was just disgusting. And just I was in a you know bad mood from all that. And I remember finally when I was going to Spain for one night at the end of my trip for two nights, but the first night I was there staying in an airport hotel near the barcelona airport and it had air conditioning <laughs> and i was so happy you and felt it felt like really a kid. barely at it was really bad air conditioning but i turned up as high as i could it was like standing in front of the vent and it was just like oh it was great i like i like it cold fair um, enough this was this was europe did not do that for me this year so yeah so it was it was gross and sweaty i mean the, night, the nights of wimbledon for sure
1: speaking of cold yeah ben remember when it was coming home
0: oh my gosh <laughs> It was, wasn't it? I was completely, like, phrase.
1: genuinely, okay, for as much as the freaking, not the World Cup, because I love World Cup, but mm-hmm. as much as, like, England doing well at the World Cup, completely, like, is woven into my experience of Wimbledon, not in a great way. Mm-hmm. Yet, weirdly, when I, when at the end of the year, like, now it's December 19th, when I look back on it... I don't remember that the World Cup happened.
0: It was a forgettable World Cup for me. I mean, the U.S. wasn't in it, which I think had to do had a lot to do with that it. In terms of like, me just... to,
1: I mean, obviously Germany crashed out, so maybe that has something to do with it. But
0: I'll be honest; like, I wouldn't. I, I was surprised at how great. I was surprised at how much less I care about the World Cup with the U.S. not being in it, and not that I'm mean, even like a big rah-rah, you know, uh, I believe that we will win type person. But like it's just kind of your touchstone. It's your like entry into the tournament. Okay, this coming end. from a
1: guy who was like, "Hey, are you going to the Women's World Cup? Maybe I'll come along." You're a rah rah guy.
0: Nice try, DC. I, I'm not rah rah for the US. Oh, I, I get <laughs> I bandwagon it for sure. And yeah, so maybe so maybe I, I'm admitting that. Yeah, that's why I didn't care so much. But you're saying no for you, even after you just... drove from San Francisco to Winnipeg <laughs> to watch a soccer game with the red, white, and blue.
1: Uh, the ladies, red, white, look at, and blue. L-
0: look uh, at a map, by the way. If you don't know where San Francisco <laughs> and Winnipeg are in relation to each other, these are not drivable distances.
1: It took two full days to drive to Winnipeg. And then it took two full days to drive to Vancouver. And then it took one and a half days, a long one day, to drive from Vancouver to San Francisco. You're crazy. You're crazy. to see. So all that happened to watch two games. Uh, all that's
0: to say, the, the Men's World Cup was overshadowing for sure. It was. And it was pl- there was all that speculation, like, oh my gosh, it's going to be played at the same time as... The men's final, the World Cup final, but like which in the end I don't think really matter because the the men's final was so short. I guess they did overlap a little bit, but like nobody cared about either game. No, I'm but nobody cared.
1: Nobody cared at that point because England wasn't in it, and I think yeah. I feel like because of all the buildup, because England did like make it out of the 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 knockout made semis. and made, made semis, semis. Yeah. like you know, like it, at that point the disappointment set in and whatever. But like. It really, really, really does like kind of bother me how many people did not watch, at least in England, uh, how many people did not watch the Nadal Delpo match, which is arguably yeah. like the match of the year. Like it was nuts. I mean, you could mm-hmm. you can make an argument for Delp for, for Nadal Djokovic and that's fine, but like Nadal Delpo was nuts. And I was watching it because I wasn't watching the football. Um, but it was just crazy about like how much The world cup did especially with england doing well like the world cup did kind of take over wimbledon like i kind of i don't know like i guess on some level i kind of went into it thinking like oh it won't really have that much of an impact whatever but like to the point where you know the blinds were being lowered whenever england played of the press room because heaven forbid that people from the outside would like bottleneck because they would stand against the window and like watch our screens yeah. To like watch the game. Or like a black like they I I think they basically knocked out like the signal to where people couldn't um stream the game from their phones know. from the stands was, in, in center court. Oh
0: maybe, yeah.
1: I vaguely recall that. I could be wrong, but I I, I vaguely They they definitely didn't this. want
0: Wi Fi. I think they definitely were like, Well you should have Wi Fi to stream. It's like, no, we don't want people streaming anything from center court. We want you to pay attention to center court, which I fully understand and you mentioned the nadal delpo match and i think probably on quality it was the best match of wimbledon for the men for sure on drama and tension though for some reason i always thought nadal would win that match like i never really thought delpo would win for me like the nadal Djokovic was a much better sort of yeah back and forth like i thought either guy was in it i guess anyway. so but quality wise it was quality was it was amazing. it was unbelievable. The shot making itself stuff was unbelievable it was unbelievable i completely yeah it was great and then on terms of people not watching that match was the same time as the Isner-Ronich quarterfinal on court one after Federer had lost to Anderson. And that was one of the emptiest Grand Sam quarterfinals of all time. It was like rough. Just like there was nobody there.
1: It was rough. Um, yeah. Those, those last few days of the men's tournament were weird. I mean, obviously, I mean, obviously there were two really, really, I mean... Depending on what you watch tennis for, you can argue that all all of the matches were really, really good. But, I mean, like, I mean, Nadal Djokovic and Nadal Delpo were kind of like the highlights of that tournament for me, tennis-wise. I mean...
0: And yet the one we've most remembered is Isner Anderson.
1: Which, okay, were you on site watching that the whole time?
0: Yes. I, w- I, I watched the first two sets in in the stadium like in the press section which were actually really good like the quality of that of the play in this first set especially was really high in that match and the thing is they were long sets too the first set took like an hour for the two guys who were you would think were getting easy holds like they were both digging into each other's serves right off the bat and like really challenging each other and then didn't have the energy to do that anymore once they got to (laughs) you know double digits in the fifth set as, and I watched, the, I was doing radio on BBC for the fourth set, and there were actually a couple breaks that happened, and it was sort of interesting. But yeah, it was the quality of that match was really not bad. Like, Isner Mahout was bad quality, it was good serving and atrocious returning. Like, Isner Anderson, the quality stayed pretty high the entire time. I mean, Isner's a much better player than he was in 2010, and Anderson was better than him, and Anderson's just becoming a much more complete player all around. They were playing in ways that were frustratingly you know, impenetrable to each other, especially in that fifth set. But like the quality was actually it was good looking tennis being played in that match. It wasn't ugly. It was just interminable and finally led to changes. Um which, you know, I don't know if they need to happen, but they did happen. We talked about this, I think, on the lost episode. Like it could have just been a John Isner rule, honestly. Just cap John Histor matches yeah, is all you need. And
1: this is we are talking about that rule and rule changes like you know, and it's the same thing that um Victoria Azarenka raised when we were talking about the seeding rule and she's on the Oh, parade. I was about
0: to bring that up. Yeah, yeah, about
1: about how like she said, like in Miami, like, look, like what if Serena and I are the exceptions? Should yeah. we change a rule that applies to everybody on tour just because we are former number ones and Grand Slam champions who like had babies and should come back and blah, blah, blah. Like, I don't know. Like, I need to have that conversation. So separate from that, like, but extrapolating Vika's point to the guys, like, what if this is just a John Isner issue? Like, why are you changing everything like that? I don't, I don't I'm not entirely sure. I understand the logic.
0: Yeah, I completely agree, and I'm, I'm bummed that the Australian Open changing its rule about having a tiebreak at six all and th- a ten point tiebreak six all, on the th- but that would prevent Halep Davis, which there was nothing wrong with that. Match. Right? That no. Match yeah, great. I saw
1: I saw your tweets on that, and 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 I totally agree and i don't always agree with you but you know like noted yeah you know um (laughs) but but this just this idea of like why there's nothing wrong with the women's system no why do the women keep having to get drawn in and and dragged down to some standard that saves the guys like okay you want you want best of five um, but final set tiebreak, okay. But the women are playing best of three. It's a completely different format. You don't have to play best of five tiebreak, and it in, in, and yeah. in, 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 in it and it reinforces this perception. And I always think of the heat rule about this, like this perception of like, oh, but you know, the girls can only handle basically, you know, two thirds of what the men can do.
0: Right, and the and again with the heat rule too, because the U.S. Open this year went to added an men's heat rule like when people look back and a lot of people outside tennis especially and obviously everyone knows how i feel the best of five but look at the men getting a, a raw deal than women and being like god or getting a, a steeper climb than the women and being like man women should be able to climb that too it's like well or they just don't have to like you just know or, or there's just to. nothing there's no benefit to making their lives it's artificial making that the same. yeah totally The climb is which artificial actually, which brings me to my next remember when to get off this slightly, because I thought when you said seeding, I thought you were going a different direction. <laughs> Remember when most of this year, Courtney, we did not need 16 seeds, I assure you.
1: We assured all of you <laughs> that we did not need 16 seeds.
0: I forgot that was a thing that was like a discussion <laughs> point this year. I really did. And then, like, because, like, people... Because it's so absurd. Year, it was so stupid, the idea. And, like, eventually Wimbledon, uh, I think Richard Lewis, who's their president or chairman, one, one of the headhunters of Wimbledon, or as they what was the term they used for stop uh oh uh, okay. oh it was something weird oh it was super tennis, weird tennis supremo yes yeah, supremo. a wimble a wimble a wimbledon supremo richard That's, lewis you know um, i order sounds... a
1: taco supremo from taco yeah, bell exactly. i don't it sounds I don't, like something it's you get not... at
0: pizza hut yeah um, with stuffed crust <laughs> <laughs> but he said like in the end we realized we weren't sure what problem we were fixing it's like yeah no shit like there was there, it was just. There's no. We did not. I'd show sure you. It just gets me to the women's side of Wimbledon, which was the seed apocalypse, with no top ten women. so no top ten seeds. Serena duly pointed out that Kerber was seeded. Eleventh, but ranked number ten. I loved. Um, one, she pointed I, I, it out.
1: It was my favorite Serena moment of the year. <laughs> and
0: what Serena was amazing at Wimbledon, by the way. Talking about she really like being best supporting actress in Paris, she was best lead actress in Wimbledon in terms of her just monologue, just Marilyn. heavy dialogues. I would say more like a Viola Davis in Ooh. Fences, like kind of giving this like rich, you know, theater level script and just performing it. Just you know, was not was a, was a very dialogue heavy role. A lot of monologues for her. She was just very, very, very willing to, you know, sink her teeth into every question and really putting on, I don't, putting on a show sounds dismissive, but like really just like buying into like, I'm up here on this stage and I have a microphone and people are listening to me. And I'm at this really Im- culturally, you know, you know, massive moment of being this mom, you know, contending for a grand slam. And the, she embraced her power of her symbolism in a way that I'd never really seen her fully do before. Uh, certainly not in press conference settings. And I just thought it was, Really cool to cover her in that tournament. She was giving a lot of great stuff. Let's throw the US Open for sure, but at at Wimble at Wimbledon she was uh pretty pretty no, she, good. No, she she
1: was great and she was um she was engaged. She was playing better tennis at Wimbledon than she was playing at the French Open, so that helped as well. Her match against Georgie was like great composure, um, going to three sets and, and playing well. It was pretty soft draw otherwise, um going through Gergas again for the second straight slam. Um, but uh but yeah, no, I mean Serena was Serena was on point at Wimbledon. And I think that in a lot of ways, you know, it kinda pointed to this 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 confidence that I think I feel like she did have going to that tournament that like this is the one. This is gonna be the one that that that, mm-hmm. that I win and um maybe that took a little bit of the edge off and obviously it didn't it didn't end up that way, but but it was yeah, the Wimbledon was seed apocalypse. Remember when, Ben? Allison Van Bank <gasps> Yes.
0: Oh, that was wonderful! Cru- uh, I mean, just, yeah, go for it, Alizé Monfeng, who's I've uh, as a fellow ginger uh, have been you know gravitationally pulled towards ever since she emerged on tour, <laughs> like a like a moth to a flame. She beat Muguruza and and was playing really well and had her by far biggest win. Muguruza was defending champion at Wimbledon, beat her out on court two, and had her uh, kiss in, afterwards with uh, Great and Uh, her girlfriend who's also a player and they've won a doubles title together they did they they won a doubles title in the fall they won Luxembourg yeah Um, I think Luxembourg right yeah so um, yeah so that was that was very cool yeah flash ahead I have it on who do it chronologically I have it written down but also shout out I can just do it here to Nick McCarville's event uh, the LGB tennis event in New York which was a big success and he's doing one uh, here in Melbourne too so that's very cool and hopefully that comes together well and people who are anywhere near Melbourne who are at all interested show up I Please do be there if I can Please do
1: because, yeah, I mean, like it was one of those things that I remember thinking um, during the New York one that he did, which was amazing. Casey Locke was there, Brian Vahali um, and a lot of just, I mean, meeting tons of like awesome tennis Twitter folks that were at the mm-hmm. the housing works that night. And I've seen this in tennis for over the years, like this applies to every single issue that ever comes up in, in the sport, unless there's a, a public outcry unless there's a like a public like statement and 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 push towards change like nothing in the sport changes nope. so so you need those 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 uh you need critical mass at these events you need the tweets and the instagram posts and all that showing that that it's a movement and and that yeah. it's not going to be denied you know And, and when we've talked about a lot of the controversies that happen in tennis a lot, you know, within the last like year, within the last six months, within the last few weeks. And, and one thing that I do notice is like, well, if the fans aren't getting pissed about it or the fans aren't calling for change, it's not going to change. Yeah. That's, that's just how, you know, the inertia, the tennis inertia works. And, and so, yeah, if you, if you're in Australia, if you're in Melbourne, if you're on the, the East coast, uh of oz uh do try and keep an eye out for for nick McCarville's tweets and, yeah. and where the event's going to happen and and do you know show up not just with yourself but with friends in tow uh gay allies straight allies whatever um because it, it that that stuff really 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 does matter
0: for sure i you were thinking just like tennis channel i think or tennis.com or they their same company now so maybe combined or doing the sort of 50 50- open air pioneers thing and like that's for the 15th anniversary celebrating like one person per year and like that sort of uh that uh nick mccarroll will be my 2018 person in terms oh, of being like a agreed. person for that just because you know for going out there and doing doing the damn thing so well, heart, shout mean, out to nick
1: heart i mean super hard agree just because yeah. like it's not i think that within within the demographic that probably you run in it like you and i both run in which is like this progressive like well of course like no big deal like here's this mm-hmm. like lgbtq like event like why wouldn't you go um and it's it's almost like because it just seems like an obvious thing like people don't think it's a really big deal actually stepping up taking ownership of an event like that and pushing it forward um and continuing to push it forward and, and understanding that who knows like maybe there are costs maybe there are repercussions you don't know like you know what i mean like and i remember nick saying that like at the in new york uh, at the event that like you know that they were definitely like atp players who he he brought it up with who were like they were like wait you know like you're gay like what like not in a ne- not in a negative way but kind of like if you know nick kind of like a really like <laughs> yeah like you're asking me this? That's weird. And yeah, so you know, for Nick, for Nick to to kind of go out there and 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 put put his uh, his neck on the line, like I know that you support him a lot. I know that I do. I know that we will do whatever we can to yep. to protect Mister McCarville because he is just a lovely, lovely, lovely human soul. So yeah,
0: absolutely. A couple more Wimbledon things uh, before we go. Quick, remember when? Do you remember who? Just another. I hate to. I, I kind of enjoy giving you the trivia things. Do you remember who Maria Sharpova lost to Wimbledon in the first uh, round?
1: In the first round. Hold on. <laughs> uh, first round. It was another. Ru- oh yes, this. Uh, um, not Kalichkova, but another uh, Russian,
0: mm-hmm. thin. Yep.
1: Um. Very pretty. <laughs>
0: yeah. Oh, you're getting. You got it. I, I, Dia, I know. It's but Dia, Diachenko. I can't... Diachenko. Who? Oh, Vitalian. Diachenko. Yeah, yeah. Diachenko.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Diachenko. <laughs> <laughs> Who? No,
0: yeah. I thought you said
1: Yuchenko. I was like, I don't know oh, a no. Yuchenko. Yeah. Diachenko. No, yeah, Diachenko.
0: Yeah. 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 Um. Anyway, so that was the uh, that was the thing that happened. Evgenia Rodina. Speaking of Russians, yes. also made the fourth round, beating Madison Keys. One of the one of the bigger surprises oh. of that tournament for sure. Like just a bad match for Maddie. My gosh. And I remember like Evgenia Rodina being in the. That weird conference room they have at Wimbledon for yep. some like interviews and just being swarmworth Press and seeming so overwhelmed by having the spotlight, but it's like that's what happens. You make the fourth round, you're gonna play Serena next, and you're both bombs. This is an irresistible copy of Genia. Yeah. Um. And then other result for Wimbledon that I remember is Kasatkina saving
1: like six or seven match points against Kerber in spectacular fashion, which was really great. That,
0: that yes, happened. Ernie Golbis Mine was Ernie Gulbis clobbering Zverev. In five sets. In the. This are are really anti-Zero. I can, I can really, me.
1: like, hear your <laughs> but, <laughs> glee when you say it. That's why I'm laughing.
0: But it was Goldbus, and Goldbus had done, like, nothing literally for a done while. Nothing. And, like, he went out there, and that and Zverev's collapses, because Zverev had also gone five against Taylor Fritz in the round before, because why not? And uh, Fritz did play well, but, like, Zverev always making life hard for himself at slams. And that Goldbus was the one to slam the door was just sort of just was so amusing honestly um he like baggled him it was like not close it was it was wild wild scenes that it was that does it for part two of remember when for 2018 we will be back the final part soon bye guys